Justin read to you earlier from the book of Jeremiah, the sixth chapter. I would invite you to look back once again to that same sixth chapter of Jeremiah, if you would. I would have us uh, kind of pick up where Justin left off. And I would like for you to look with me in verses 16 through 19 of the sixth chapter of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths or the old paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it I set watchmen over you, saying, Pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not pay attention. Therefore hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices, because they have not paid attention to my words, and as for my law, they have rejected it. Well, let's bow our hearts before the Lord, if we could, for just a moment or two. I I feel the need in my heart to seek the Lord. I trust that perhaps you do as well. I need the Lord to help me. Perhaps you also sense that you need the Lord to help you hear, just as I need the Lord to help me speak. Let's bow before the Lord. Our gracious Lord, what a joy it is to consider the privilege that is ours to bow in your presence. Considering who you are and considering who we are. Considering your greatness, your majesty, your splendor, your holiness, and our sin. Oh, what a wonder. What a wonder it is, Lord, that you would accept us into your presence. We know that it is only, only because of Christ. How thankful we are for our Redeemer for our Savior, the Lord Jesus, who has 
sacrificed himself to pay the price for our sin, to secure our pardon, our forgiveness, and has clothed us with his own righteousness that we might be accepted before you. Oh, how thankful we are. And Lord, with gratitude in our hearts, we bow before you at this time. <coughs> I do so to ask, Lord, that it might please you to enable me to speak that which I believe you've placed upon my heart this morning. And I pray for these who are present that you might grant each one an understanding heart, a hearing heart, that your word would be an effectual word working in each heart and in each life for the accomplishing of your purpose, for your honor, for your glory, and for their good. Lord, we commit this time into your hands, praying that you would bless not only this time that we spend together in the considering of your word, but Lord, that you'd bless our time of fellowship later as we have a meal together and then as we gather following the meal, Lord, to once again enter into a time of discussing your word together, considering those questions that we have on our heart that have arisen in our study of the Scripture, Lord. Help us. Help us and draw us near to You. Today we pray. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Father, for this time now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We... Uh, we're all taking a trip. We're all taking a trip through the wilderness of this world. I don't know about you, but I lately am beginning to see this world much more like a wilderness than I have in the past. Uh, not a pleasant place at all. Uh, the things we face and the difficulties that we encounter um, make it appear much more like the wilderness that I believe the Scripture reveals it to be to us. And so we need to understand that that's exactly what it is and that we're all taking a trip through the wilderness of this world. And we begin this trip the moment we enter this world. Uh, as an infant, that trip begins and we'll be taking that trip until we leave this world. Uh, and although it is necessary for us to give due diligence uh, in how we daily travel on our journey. It's far, far more important where our journey ends 
than it is how we travel each day of the journey. We need to be thinking about where we're going, don't we? We need to be thinking about where this journey ends and how we might get there. Solomon in the Proverbs says there's a way that seems right unto a man, uh, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Uh, the Lord Jesus told a parable in the Gospel according to Matthew, the seventh chapter, and he said there is a way that uh, the multitudes are following, and it's a broad road, and it's an easy path. Uh, and the crowds are all going on this way, and uh, it also leads to destruction and death. But there is another way, he said. It's a narrow way, it's a restricted way, it's a confined way, and uh, a very narrow way. And there are few you that find it, but it leads to life. It leads to life. God has graciously, graciously given us a guidebook, uh, the Bible, to show us what the only safe way is in this journey that we're taking. Uh, he has appointed apostles, godly men that have written as the Spirit of God dictated, uh, as the Spirit of God inspired or breathed into them His own Word, uh, apostles uh, whom He chose and set apart not only to pen uh, much of the New Testament Scripture, uh, and to preach the Word of God while they were living, uh, to guide those during their lifetime, and also to give instruction to us Today, but when we go back into the Old Testament, uh, God, we see, had appointed prophets, didn't He? He had appointed prophets to guide and direct uh, people in this journey that we're all taking. Uh, but in each case, if you'll recall from perhaps your own reading of Scripture, whether it be the Old Testament or the New. Uh, in each case, whether it be the apostles of the New Testament or uh, the prophets of the Old Testament, in each case, their message came from the same place, didn't it? Came from the Word of God. Came from God's Word. Uh, this morning... I want to begin, if I can, 
by introducing you uh, to one of the Old Testament prophets. We've already heard from him, from what Justin read and from what I read from my text here this morning in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, and that is his name, Jeremiah. Some of you already know him, don't you? Some of you are very familiar with Jeremiah and have been acquainted with him for some time, but some of you may not really know him at all. Uh, so I want to introduce him to you this morning, if I can. Uh, and let me just ask, uh, when someone mentions the prophets of the Old Testament, what comes to your mind? What do you think of? What is the picture uh, that you get in your mind's eye of the Old Testament prophet. I know what, uh, up until just recently, came to my mind when I thought of an Old Testament prophet. I thought of an old man like me with a beard, maybe even grayer than mine, uh, wearing a robe of some kind, walking along with a staff, uh, is that what you pictured when you thought of an Old Testament prophet? Well, that's perhaps what a lot of them were maybe like. But that's not what Jeremiah was. Not at all. Let me share with you from the book of Jeremiah what the prophet Jeremiah was like. Turn back to the first chapter of Jeremiah, would you? Jeremiah was not an old man when he was called to be a prophet. matter of fact, he was a very young man. Look at verse 6. When God called him, Jeremiah said, Oh, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. And in the Hebrew, the word that is translated youth is a word that uh, bears out the idea that he was one still in his parents' home dependent upon them financially and in every other way. He probably was a youth in his young teenage years called of God to be a prophet. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And Jeremiah was a prophet for 40 years. His life was not easy. But rather, his life was quite difficult. You can imagine. You can imagine. Jeremiah had a difficult life. Stop and think about it just a little bit. Uh, his message was one primarily of repentance. A message, of, uh, a call for repentance delivered most often in the temple. To who? The priests, 
Those old men, those aged men that were the leaders, the scribes and the priests. And here's this young whippersnapper, teenage boy. Coming to them saying, Thus saith the Lord, Repent. Repent. Oh, his life was difficult. Jeremiah often referred to as the weeping prophet. Weeping prophet. Sadness. Sadness filled his heart. His hometown, his hometown plotted against him. He endured a lot of persecution. Oh, but he remained faithful. He remained faithful. How could he do such a thing as a young boy, a young man? Well, he had the Word of God, didn't he? He had God's Word. Let's look just a little further here in the first chapter. After he said, Oh, Lord, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. Verse 7 says, But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. That's God speaking to this teenager. That's God speaking. To all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out His hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. My words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations, and over kingdoms. Hmm. What was it that God put in Jeremiah's mouth? His word. His word. Hmm. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us what about the Word of God. In the old King James Bible, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, the Word of God is active and it's, it's, it's quick and it's powerful. It's living and it's powerful. That's what God put in Jeremiah's mouth. A living and powerful word. 
And he said, I've set you this day over nations and kingdoms. God's word being a sovereign word, a word, a sovereign word over nations and over kingdoms. And because of this, Jeremiah could be a faithful preacher, a faithful prophet. And as far as we know, in 40 years of being a prophet, faithful as he was, the record we have of his ministry tells us that he only had two converts. Only had two converts in all those years. Baruch, his scribe, and then a man named Ebed Melech, an Ethiopian eunuch who served the king. And still, Jeremiah was faithful to prophesy. He had a hard life. Had a hard life. Perhaps instead of being referred to as the weeping prophet, although I'm sure he wept. I'm sure he cried. Perhaps he should be referred to as the determined prophet, the dedicated prophet, the long-suffering prophet, the prophet that was faithful to follow God and proclaim God's Word. Oh my, we need more like that today, don't we? We need more preachers like that today. Faithful. Faithful. Jeremiah remained committed to that which God called him to. He began his ministry when Josiah was king in Judah. Josiah was the last faithful king in Judah's history. If I recall, Jeremiah, Josiah was king for, I'm not sure, I remember, I think maybe 18 years. And then when Josiah died, uh, his sons became king and it was downhill from there. Uh, they returned back to idolatrous ways. And uh, very troubling times. And Jeremiah had to continue to prophesy God's judgment was going to come upon Judah for their sin and their rebellion and their disobedience. You know, I got to thinking about the way things were in Jeremiah's day and what he was facing. And I got to looking at our, our life today. 
And things really haven't changed that much, have they? Haven't really changed that much. Uh, listen again to our text. Would you turn with me back to our text in the sixth chapter? Let's look at uh, let's look at verses sixteen through nineteen again. Thus says the Lord: Stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. But they said, "We'll not walk in it. We'll not walk in it." I set a watchman over you, saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we'll not pay attention. Therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices, because they have not paid attention to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it. Could it be... that we might be experiencing some of the same thing? Could it be that what we're experiencing might be a result of not paying attention to what God said? Very likely, isn't it? Very likely that judgment, judgment is being experienced because we haven't listened to what God said. Well, Paul... Paul told Timothy that something like this was going to happen, didn't he? 2 Timothy chapter 4. You care to look at it with me? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy... The time's coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to, shut the, to suit their own passions or their own desires. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Boy, seems to be happening, doesn't it? Well, there seems to be some concern among some today about this, and I'm grateful for that. Grateful for it. Uh, There appears to be at least some concern because there seems to be some talk about the need for revival today. Seems to be a lot of people talking about revival, the need for the church to to repent and to be renewed. And I hope it's sincere. Hope it's genuine. There are times though that there's such talk that it's not genuine. I remember a few years ago when 9-11 happened. Remember the talk following that? There was talk about revival then, wasn't there? There was talk about the need for God's people to get serious about the things of the Lord. How long did it last? Not very long. 
not very long. Last week, after Justin had preached, before we went our separate ways, I asked you to think about something. I asked you to think about what are you going to tell people if somebody comes to you asking uh, about where do I go to look for a church? I'm, I'm looking for a church that I want to go to and... Uh, uh, what do I look for? What do I look for in a church? You hear a lot of different things today about what to look for in a church. Uh, and a lot of them break my heart. Seriously. Parents a lot of parents are looking for things, you know, in a church where their young people or kids can be entertained. And then it just goes on and on from there. Is this the type of thing we should look for in a church? Well, I'm only interested in one thing. I'm only interested in one thing. I'm going to go looking for a church. And you should only be interested in one thing if you're going to look for a church. And it's the ancient path. It's the old path laid out by the ancient of days that Daniel talked about in the book of Daniel. Because it's the only way that leads the soul to rest. See what he says here? Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your soul. The good way. The good way. It's the only good way. Any other way is a bad way. All these other things are not important. What is this ancient way? What is this old path? that leads the soul to rest. It's God's Word.
the word of God. It's the gospel. It's the good news. That's the good way. That's the good way. If we would have read the two verses previous to the two we just looked at there in 2 Timothy. Let's go back there again. 2 Timothy chapter 4. If we'd have gone back to the first two verses before he said there's a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching. He told Timothy to do this. He said, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by the appearing of His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Preach the word. Preach the word. Because that's the good way. That's the old path. That's the ancient path. It's the only thing that will lead a soul to rest. The only thing that will lead a soul to rest. An old soul or a young soul? I began by saying we're all on a trip through the world, through this world's wilderness. Some exit the wilderness of this world at an old age. Some leave it at a young age. Only the good way will bring your soul to rest whether you leave at an old age or a young age. Doesn't matter. Only the good way, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ will point you in the right direction and get you there. It's the eternal gospel, the everlasting gospel. It's the only gospel, the only good news that there is. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he said, I'm not ashamed of it. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ this good way. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it's the power of God and the salvation to all who believe it. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Doesn't matter who you are. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. It's that which will bring the soul to, to rest. And nothing else will. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia. He said, if anybody preaches any other gospel other than that, let him be accursed. Let him be damned.
we must not be ashamed of the gospel. It's the doctrine of God's free and sovereign saving grace. Spurgeon commented on his preaching of this great biblical truth. And he said, it's no novelty then that I am preaching. No new doctrine. I love to proclaim, he said, these old doctrines that are called by nickname Calvinism but which are surely and verily or truly the revealed truth of God as it is in Christ Jesus. By this truth I make a pilgrimage into the past. And as I go, I see father after father, confessor after confessor, martyr after martyr, standing up to shake hands with me taking these things to be the standard of my faith, I see the land of the ancients peopled with my brethren. I behold multitudes who confess the same as I do and acknowledge that this is the religion of God's own church. The gospel. The gospel. Jesus Jesus said he's the light of the world, isn't he? Well, our omniscient God, William Gurnall said, our omniscient God has known all along that the way to heaven can never be found in the dark. And that's why He sent His Son as the light of the world. And there is but one safe exit from your darkened state, one way of escape through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let your faith join hands with His promise of eternal life for all who believe on Him, and He will lead you out of darkness into the glorious light of the Gospel. And oh, when you believe on the Lord Jesus, and He who is the light of the world takes up His residence in your heart, then the Lord Jesus says of you, you are the light of the world. Isn't that what He said? In Matthew, the fifth chapter, near the beginning of His Sermon on the Mount, Verse 14, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men or before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, which is in heaven. You are the light of the world. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and he said, you once were darkness, 
You once were darkness, but now are light in the Lord. If you believe on Christ, if you believe the gospel, if you've trusted Christ. Oh, be careful. Be careful, Luke wrote, that you don't let your light become darkness. Isn't that what Jesus was saying there? Don't let your light be covered up. by a basket. Don't let it be hidden. But let it be a light that shines to show that Christ dwells within you and that your soul is at rest because of Him. Back in Jeremiah, that portion that Justin read at the beginning of the hour, Jeremiah had to deal with the fact that there were those the priests and the prophets who were greedy doing what they did for unjust gain dealing falsely not being honest sounds a little bit like some of the preachers that we have today doesn't it he says that they were proclaiming peace peace when there really wasn't any peace. Preachers professing to be preaching the gospel today, when in reality all they're preaching is a perversion, a distortion of the gospel. What was it that Paul said about that? If anybody preaches any other gospel but the pure gospel, he said that I've preached unto you, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Oh, how careful we need to be how careful we need to be about what we hear, how we hear it, and what we do with it. God's Word. How precious it is. How valuable it is. Oh, we must not, we must not let the world around us Intimidate us. Keep us from being bold to declare God's word 
as it is the truth. Let's stand by the road and not only ask for the ancient path, but declare it, proclaim it, bear witness to it, and thank God for it. Thank God for it. What a privilege it is to have the truth. It's the truth that sets us free when nothing else can. How thankful we should be. Let's pray.